Hello and welcome to another episode of Mind Ki Baat where we discuss the part that really matters your mind or specifically mental health I am your host Shardul and in this episode we'll discuss a mental illness which I would say is most likely to be misunderstood and the people who have it are also in danger of facing cruelty and being stigmatized in our society the condition i'm talking about is schizophrenia many people who live with schizophrenia experience negative auditory voices i started getting really paranoid because obviously the voices were saying things that your eyes are full of disgust you smell you are disgusting where you don't see or actually hear anything but you have these feelings that aren't necessarily real where your friends hate you your family hates you a lot of the you. times the voice is will tell me that i'm going to go back into hospital the anxiety the the the, the doom and the darkness that schizophrenia is um really individual people experience it in different ways This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to Mind Ki Baat. In India, people who live with schizophrenia are also an easy target of superstition which can sometimes translate into ritualistic torture. Although it is termed as some kind of supernatural cure. But to help us understand how schizophrenia affects someone who has it, we have with us uh, Mr. Amrit Kumar Bakshi. Mr Bakshi was a banker by profession and has been a caregiver of his daughter since the early 90s. He has been the president of Schizophrenia Awareness Association since 2010. He has also served on the institutional board of National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences NIMHANS for 5 years and over 3 years as the chairperson of Hospital Management Committee of NIMHANS. Hello Mr Bakshi, welcome to News Laundry. Thank you Shardul. Our second guest is Dr Alok Kulkarni Alok is a senior consultant psychiatrist with 11 years of experience you've met him earlier in our bipolar episode he trained at nimhans and was later awarded the imh marshall fellowship award by the university of british columbia hello alok welcome back to mind ki baat i shadul hello sir pleasure to be here uh, and i wanted to say if you trained at nimhans then possibly our two guests know each other or is this just my wishful thinking Uh, I've read about uh, Mr. Bakshi's work, and I'm aware of his uh, phenomenal work in 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 the field of schizophrenia and in enhancing mental health awareness. He is available to the families uh, whose members have been uh, afflicted with mental illness. So I I know of uh, Mr. Bakshi's work. Right, but like you're not personally f- <laughs> familiar. I thought because Mr. Bakshi has been at Nimhans and you trained, so there you. the paths might have crossed no i have not met uh, mr bakshi in person although i would love to do that yeah <laughs> um so before we go to our conversation a few stats about schizophrenia according to global burden of diseases 2017 data at least 20 million people in the world have schizophrenia as per a 2008 research in epidemial review journal the annual number of new cases of schizophrenia is 1.5 per 10000 people studies tell us that about 20% of people with schizophrenia make a suicide attempt at least once in their lives 
and according to archives of general psychiatry 2005 approximately 5% of people with schizophrenia die by suicide usually this risk is higher at the onset of the illness another medical journal global burden of disease says that schizophrenia is one of the top 15 leading causes of disability in the world coming to india according to a study by gururaj girish and isaac in 2005 Schizophrenia is seen in about 3 in 1000 individuals in India. A recent study at Institute of Mental Health and Hospital in Agra showed that 7% of mentally ill Indians suffer from schizophrenia. And finally, a 2015-16 survey conducted by Nimhans revealed that the prevalence of schizophrenia in the Indian population is 0.5%. It sounds low and statistically it is low. But remember, 0.5% of the Indian population is close to 70 lakh people but these stats cannot really portray what schizophrenia really is and what it means to deal with it every day for that i'll go to our first guest mr bakshi mr bakshi you've known this condition intimately now for almost 3 decades yes and yes. Um, your daughter suffers from it Can you yes. tell can you tell our listeners what a person with schizophrenia goes through Yes so schizophrenia is the most dreaded severe mental disorder Yes and uh, in this illness a person loses touch with the reality and uh, develops distorted and bizarre thoughts so touch with reality is uh, lost and uh, what person perceives and sees and uh, hears is uh, away from uh, reality so i think this uh, little definition should suffice uh, yes but uh, i what i wanted to ask you was because you've yes. se- you've seen not only the disease in i mean in your personal capacity as father but also when you started to work in this field work Uh, yes. for its awareness and yeah. when i was reading when i was researching on schizophrenia for this uh, for this conversation yes. it looked to me that this condition as i said in the initial phase also is most likely to be misunderstood and especially in a country like ours where the literacy levels are really low it is generally categorized as something supernatural you see this is uh, what you say was true some 3 uh, or 4 decades back Right. now it is not so now a lot of uh, awareness has been uh, created uh, mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. and uh, that supernatural part is uh, much much less so right. uh, most of the families when uh, the symptoms uh, develop they are more or less aware that yes mental illness uh, is there with uh, this family member and uh, they generally go to the psychiatrist uh, more or less uh, straight away so uh, some of them may still be going to temples and other things but along with that they also go to the psychiatrist earlier uh, going to a psychiatrist was uh, considered a stigma by itself you go to the psychiatrist and families will uh, other families and relatives will know that there is something wrong with hmm. uh, their this family member so now that is uh, much much less that's how i have seen and i feel huh? right so it, it, i mean in, in your assessment the situation has improved a bit substantially substantially Subst- improved no no not a bit substantially so 
so in in couple of dec in past couple of decades it has substantially improved at least the awareness and acceptance yes. of the in, treatment yes if nothing in the else. last three four decades right not couple of uh, decades so yes although uh, i am not trying to contradict you but i come from a very small town in uttar pradesh and i know someone in my extended family who still don't want to go to these things so but i think we still need more awareness and of course like the work needs to continue a lot villages or small towns uh, still uh, awareness has to be created yeah but uh, it is uh, improving things are uh, improving that my that is my assessment yes i run a whatsapp group very active group more than 300 uh, family caregivers are its members and uh, views are freely exchanged people uh, uh, narrate their problems and others give their uh, solutions and there is no attempt to uh, hide the illness which is great and th this should this should go on i wanted to ask you one more thing before i go to alok yes because you have encountered and seen this disease personally this illness yes how has your perception changed about schizophrenia itself like can you give us a i mean a picture of what yes. you, what you thought earlier when you when it in the in just the beginning when when your daughter was diagnosed and you started to see the effects and now has huh. your perception changed what has changed yes so uh, when uh, her uh, illness started or when it uh, exploded now you see the signs of the illness uh, are also visible from uh, childhood days but the families don't realize that this is a, a, a severe uh, mental con health condition so they think what is wrong is she or he is behaving uh, so differently radically it never occurs to them that uh, this is a schizophrenia and what is schizophrenia is also not known when uh, it happened to mm -hmm. my Uh, daughter she was in a boarding school in uh, dehradun and it uh, happened to her so we didn't know what is it the, even the principal of the school said uh, some uh, she was very close to nervous breakdown and because uh, we were not regular in our uh, uh, connection with her we were not mm -hmm. talking to her so it has happened to her so uh, there was total uh, ignorance i tried to know that time internet had just come so wikipedia some information here there i tried to uh, gather and then over the years i uh, developed the knowledge about uh, mental illness and uh, schizophrenia but that time it was zero what is schizophrenia how to spell schizophrenia nothing of this uh, uh, was known to me and uh, therefore uh, in the process uh, some uh, mistakes were made uh, which proved uh, fatal so uh, but now those things will not be happening and uh, i developed uh, uh, enough knowledge about schizophrenia but i never considered it uh, a stigma because it was not something wrong that mm. uh, we did it mm. uh, happened to her it's a part of the illness we should do our best and uh, help her in recovery and we didn't know that at that time uh, that uh, there is uh, uh, no cure for it and we always believe that uh, she will be able to recover and we were worried mm. that she will lose one year and all and now i realize that how insignificant that thing was 
her whole mm. life is spoiled now and uh, we were wondering about that uh, uh, one year uh, loss in her uh, study so even uh, this uh, mr chatterjee he was the associate professor at that time in uh, nimans so he came to our house in bombay and i my wife asked him uh, how long will it take one year two years and he said uh, minimum uh, five years mm-hmm. so uh, those were the things that ignorance was uh, very much uh, there and most of the families suffered because the illness became uh, chronic yes but it's a condition which will never go away only can be managed but, but we now know that as you only 90s the communication and the availability of information was not there at all compared yes. to what it is today yes definitely um alok i want to come to you uh, when i was uh, reading about schizophrenia hmm. so there were couple of things one how it starts to present itself like its onset when it happens so right. there were there was disparity in that too because uh, like one category said that in some cases it starts really early in early 30s or earlier sometimes right. it takes a lot of time so that is my one question you go on it the other one is you address the first one then i'll ask the second one let's do that okay okay so the onset generally happens during late adolescence and early adulthood mm-hmm. although i mean there are cases with very early or later onset however mm-hmm. uh, the mean age of onset is between late adolescence and early adulthood which is why you might have encountered that uh, uh, variation when you were researching right i mean they they were talking what specific strains and how it happens but also uh, if you can in medical terms tell our listeners that why schizophrenia is what is the word to use i don't want to use dreaded but it's such a such a mental illness which as i said is most likely to be misunderstood like i don't want to use the word dreaded here although i've right, said it right. twice right right uh, so yeah there's considerable stigma associated with the illness Uh, although i mean things have changed as compared to the past as you rightly mentioned there a lot of work still needs to be done in terms of building mental health awareness and in terms of reducing the stigma associated with illness one of the reasons for this is that people associate schizophrenia or persons with schizophrenia to be violent which is not the case really study after study has shown that uh, the proportion of patients who become aggressive or agitation is really less and that too it happens only when there's an acute uh, psychotic breakdown or mm. when the person is experiencing an episode of schizophrenia uh, so we have also somehow associated the term schizophrenia with violence and greater efforts need to be made towards uh, sort of destigmatizing this as to why why is it uh, i mean such a serious mental illness uh, was your other question Uh, one of the reasons is that as compared i mean just as it is uh, with other medical diagnoses so i say hypertension or uh, increased cholesterol thyroid dysfunction or cardiac conditions wherein or uh, rheumatological conditions wherein the treatment needs to be taken for a long period of time it, it's the same case with schizophrenia as well i mean it is difficult to say how long the treatment needs to continue it varies from person to person and it has to be individualized hmm. uh, in some in some people the treatment needs to say continue indefinitely so probably that is one of the reasons as to why people uh, are a bit scared when they hear 
the term schizophrenia so i'll i'll come directly to the part which i was trying to avoid in the earlier uh, not avoid but just wanted to wait before i started to talk about it so one of the biggest reasons schizophrenia is looked at in such a negative way is because the imperative or almost unavoidable symptom is uh, delusions and hallucinations which occur when the onset is there right and uh, i was reading that auditory hallucinations are there in almost 80% of the patients right which right. is a staggering number which means that almost every schizophrenia patient has auditory hallucinations hmm. so i mean when as a as a doctor when you meet a patient who where you suspect that that person he or she has schizophrenia how do you go about it finding out if they are having delusions or hallucinations okay uh, so uh, allow me to elaborate on this yes, uh, yes. allow me to tell the symptoms of schizophrenia so that our listeners uh, gets uh, get some clarity on how how a person with schizophrenia can present early on in the course of the illness yes uh, please so the symptoms broadly follow i mean fall into three clusters uh, you talked about delusions and hallucinations so these fall under the cluster of reality distortion mr bakshi was mentioning about the person losing touch with reality that yes. is one of the core clusters uh, so reality distortion encompasses system uh, symptoms such as delusions and hallucinations so what is a delusion a delusion is a false unshakable belief that is held with firm conviction despite evidence to the contrary hmm. and this belief is not in keeping in touch with the person's socio cultural background right. uh, so this this can uh, some uh, this can uh, sound a bit odd or strange to other family members uh, so it may suddenly dawn on the pay, uh, person with schizophrenia that he or she really understand understands what's going on uh, i mean here the delusion appears fully formed in the patient's mind this is a phenomenon called uh, autochthonous delusion wherein uh, the delusion appears in the person's mind and is fully formed uh, for weeks or months the patient might be feeling that there is something wrong going on but is unable to pinpoint what it is so we call this atmosphere as delusional mood hmm. and the delusional mood can be uh, followed by the appearance of the fully formed delusion in the person's mind also the delusion uh, th- there is something called a delusional idea which which can be a way of explaining hallucinations i i'll, I'll come to the part on auditory hallucinations uh hmm. so the, uh, what happens in uh, uh, you you asked about how do we how does a clinician get to know uh, whether the uh, the person is having auditory hallucinations or not yeah, uh, so, that- so uh, before you answer i want to tell my listeners i asked this question because as uh, alok just told you it is so difficult for a person who is not encountering or who, someone in their immediate family is not going through these symptoms it is so difficult for other people to understand and most of the time rather than you know be having acceptance or just trying to understand people try to shun away these symptoms and try to brush them under the carpet or you know deride them which which is counterproductive and which is bad for everyone so please alok go on yeah uh so you talk, you the only way to conclusively know whether a person is having auditory hallucinations 
or not is by the way of conducting a comprehensive and exhaustive clinical interview both with the person who's having this along with the family members as on today there are no uh, candidate biomarkers to objectively measure them in the in the blood or other body fluids uh, yeah. uh, we still order for routine blood tests and brain scans to rule out a couple of other uh, conditions that can present with symptoms of psychosis however the only way to know this is through the uh, conduct of an exhaustive clinical interview uh, so what happens in uh, auditory hallucinations is that the person starts hearing imaginary voices uh i mean they may be imaginary to the rest of us but the person who is hearing the, these voices the quality seems very real and i'll tell you why that is so these voices have the quality of being real although other people cannot hear them these voices can directly talk to the person with schizophrenia or talk to each other about the person these voices can be, have rude critical abusive or derogatory content and this is this can be very distressing to the person who is experiencing these voices hmm. some persons are able to ignore these voices while others may talk back to them or even shout back at them if they are particularly loud or irritating people may start attaching meanings to these voices believing that they are coming from hidden microphones or loud speakers i mentioned to you as to why the these voices appear so real to the person who is hearing them this is because brain scans have shown that the part of the brain that lights up while a patient a person with schizophrenia hears these voices hmm. is the same brain area that is active when a person talks or forms words in one's mind so right. to put it in other words the the brain misinterprets these thoughts or inner speech for voices coming from outside so this uh, so this is the reason why these imaginary voices to the rest of us appear so real to the person who is hearing them right mr bakshi yes sir uh, i um, would like to make some comments on uh, what we were uh, discussing now yes yes uh, please this is one thing i would say that uh, this uh, schizophrenia is a spectrum so yeah. when you say that uh, 80% of them have uh, auditory uh, voices now you are saying that about uh, those who have uh, paranoid schizophrenia so there are several uh, other subtypes of uh, schizophrenia right which uh, we or our uh, listeners uh, should know hmm. and uh, secondly about the voices you see they are not uh, always uh, annoying uh, right. some voices are friendly you will find that the patient is uh, chatting uh, with those uh, voices smiling laughing and uh, enjoying yeah so L- like a friend uh, sometimes the voices are uh, hostile irritating i mean abusing the patient or some two voices talking between themselves why is he doing that why is sitting before the laptop why can't he close the laptop why can't he sit on the floor and do it yes. so that is very irritating so uh, that is another additional thing i wanted to mention i mean some people the voices can be pleasant and some people who hear hear these voices if if the content is pleasant and if the voices stop with treatment some people do sort of start to miss those voices so that has uh, been my clinical experience as well right I just wanted to ask Mr Bakshi thank you for clarifying that I wanted to ask that even though Alok has you know g- gave us a 
pretty good picture from his point of view if you can yes if you can tell our listeners when you saw um, your daughter going through these symptoms yes because it's i asked this question because families are also an important part of dealing with schizophrenia the patient alone 99% of time i would not say 100% because there might be families a, suffer yeah. as much as the patient does and families need to understand it too and sometimes they don't have the gauge or just just they don't have the idea how to handle it so if you can tell them that when you were watching your daughter going through with these symptoms yes. what you felt and how you personally dealt with it if it's okay if it's not too intrusive to yeah, us yeah, no 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 i don't believe in stigma at all you see in uh, whenever people uh, interview me and publish it you will see that always my daughter is beside me i yeah. don't uh, hide it i have written uh, the books on mental illness and caregiving yes and uh, my photo is always with my daughter so uh, we can talk very frankly and freely thank you so uh, so when uh, she was uh, undergoing this uh, sufferings and uh, we were also her victims uh, at times her victims means the victims of her uh, illness yes kids of india i request families that whenever you find something erratic something which is troublesome never blame the uh, family member with the illness hmm. always blame the illness the person is doing it because of uh, the illness otherwise uh, in normal course uh, such things would have never happened yes so we had uh, you know her uh, hostility for no reason uh, she would uh, uh, be physical with her mother because her mother would check her so i would tell my wife not to check her because uh, this is uh, her illness but she would so then hmm. she would attack her mother sometimes she would come and attack me also with a knife and i would keep a cushions to uh, save myself so those were very uh, bad days for us that phase and uh, uh, there was not much that we, uh, we could do the medicines were not uh, uh, giving her any relief hmm. and uh, her illness had become uh, chronic well and so uh, those are very bad days you know so uh, we are and this is when the medicines are stopped this is another thing which families please note never take the role of a psychiatrist if uh, mm. psychiatrist has prescribed some uh, medicines never never stop those medicines or reduce those medicines or increase the doses see families generally they think okay now the person is feeling better so we will stop it or we will right. reduce it or the side effects are uh, too much uh, there so the person is uh, suffering person is drooling person is sleeping too much or uh, there are tremors in the hand so they stop the medicine this is a very very serious uh, mistake please never do that what psychiatrists say do that only and uh, remember that medicines which have to be stopped have to be phased out it cannot be stopped overnight if you do that consequences will be so severe that you will regret all your life right and like this is why schizophrenia has to be dealt with very gently and what what ends up happening or used to happen a lot and now the situation is getting better but still like people deal with patients of schizophrenia or families of patients of schizophrenia with derision or you know 
they deal with them harshly rather than do, dealing with them gent extra gently uh, one more thing i wanted to ask both of you because mr bakshi has also been in awareness and just the knowledge of the disease sometimes and i i assume this if i'm incorrect please correct me sometimes some schizophrenia patients will need to be admitted into a facility like it may become unavoidable when does that stage come alok i want to come to you first from clinician side and then right. mr bakshi right. okay. yeah so i was mentioning that the age at onset uh, is uh, late adolescence and early adulthood that is when schizophrenia sort of manifests itself for the first time hmm. uh, there are various phases to the illness there is a prodromal phase wherein uh, some symptoms come to the attention of the clinician and to and the family members then there is an acute phase wherein we see the, the kind of positive symptoms that i described such as delusions hallucinations uh, etc uh, so this the, during this acute phase is when most of the hospitalizations take place uh, as the illness progresses uh there are other set of symptoms that set in uh, say negative symptoms and then there's a residual phase wherein probably the need for hospitalization comes down having said that uh, as mr bakshi was uh, very rightly pointing out if treatment adherence is an issue then there can be um, significant relapses and one of the reasons uh, for stigma being associated with schizophrenia is Uh, if the patient does stop medications there there is a very high likelihood of the symptoms returning and the patient relapsing hmm. so if if there's a relapse then again there might be a need for inpatient uh, admission uh, for short term or for whatever time uh, it's recommended the the other thing that i wanted to clarify is that mr bakshi did mention that schizophrenia is a spectrum disorder so it falls under the broad rubric of psychosis hmm. uh, so at the extreme end of this spectrum schizophrenia sets it lies on a continuum and it does sit on the extreme end of this continuum uh, mr bakshi also mentioned about various subtypes of schizophrenia say paranoid schizophrenia simple schizophrenia hebephrenic schizophrenia uh, catatonic and so on and so forth hmm. uh, these distinctions were made earlier but as of now in the current classificatory system these uh, th- uh, distinctions have been dropped and the overarching term is just plain schizophrenia hmm. although uh, it was very useful to understand uh, uh these uh, labels in terms of the manifestations of symptoms but now currently it has been dropped okay so so the separate classifications have been done away with and it's now yes, considered yes. one spectrum all right kind of like asd if i right right right, right. right. uh mr bakshi i wanted to ask that yes um at least in north india and a couple of facilities i saw in my state i admit i saw them more than 5 years ago but in my understanding the long term care facility for mental health patients are not that good and not that many in india have you seen so so my question to you is two part one have you seen uh, progress in this uh, side of mental health caregiving that long term residential facilities for patients of schizophrenia and other severe mental disorders where they can you know recover in time and they are not they are not subjected to inhuman practices and the second part is uh, is the availability of medication also a problem 
because I don't know about schizophrenia, but there are many mental illnesses where patients complain about medicines not being available in the market and they struggle to, you know, buy the medicine even in like with prescription. So, uh, you see, facilities are available, private facilities and their five-star facilities are also uh, available. It uh, depends upon uh, affordability. Mm. Uh, and uh, what I would say that uh, uh, government uh, mental hospitals, regional mental hospitals, civil hospitals where they have to keep minimum uh, 10 beds. Yes. Uh, facilities uh, are not so good. Uh, the hygiene levels are not uh, well maintained, mm. uh, which are in uh, private hospitals. But uh, now this uh, our uh, Mental Health Care Act 2017 uh, provides for minimum standards. So those minimum standards have to be observed by all mental health uh, establishments, government hospitals or medical college uh, wards or uh, private uh, wards. So uh, state governments have not uh, uh, laid down those minimum standards yet, most of the states. Right. But uh, those uh, establishments which are under uh, central government, uh, for them those minimum standards are available and those are uh, quite strict standards, I would uh, say. And uh, I was a member of uh, the expert group uh, which uh, formulated the, the rules and 90% uh, work I only had done. So we had put very stringent uh, conditions, distance between the beds, everybody should have a dining table, number of uh, uh, wash basins, number of uh, toilets for girls, for boys. Mm -hmm. So all those things are there. So, and there are mental health review boards, which are also not functioning properly. So they have to see and supervise and inspect uh, all these uh, things. So once uh, those things are implemented, then I think hygienically there will be no problems. Medicines you are talking, medicines are, medicines are available in uh, plenty. All government hospitals, uh, uh, free medicines are uh, given or no, some nominal charges uh, are there. Mm. And uh, uh, in the market also, all medicines are available, except those uh, where uh, this uh, approval of uh, FDA has recently been given. And so those medicines are available only in the USA and Europe. It takes some three, four years for medicines to come to India. Yeah. And there are first generation medicines, there are second generation and now third generation also. So first generation medicines are very cheap, though the side effects are also more. Right. So the pure poor people, they generally go for first generation medicines. Uh, psychiatrists don't prescribe them uh, the second generation, which costs a little more. But uh, as far as I know, availability is not an issue. Right. So medicines are not a problem. But, you know, availability of uh, government, well-functioning government uh, residential facility is still there. One more thing, and I wanted to ask, again, both of you, uh, from a caregiver's point of view and a clinician's point of view, that electrotherapy like electrocuting patients you used to be a really widely practiced what should i term as i i'm struggling to term because it, it's not a treatment but it was considered a treatment and it was widely practiced but it has been some time that i think it, it has been phased out so alok i want to ask you first one is it still practiced because i personally met someone recently although right. 
although they are not so that person didn't have schizophrenia but they had skid, severe autism and stutters they were also given uh, electroshock therapy so what is it okay. still being practiced uh, uh, okay allow me to throw some light on this mm. uh, there's a lot of stigma associated with that form of treatment as well it's called ECT or electroconvulsive therapy mm-hmm. uh, one of the other words for it, it is brain stimulation treatment yes it is very much practiced uh, it is not about electrocuting a person uh, it's about stimulating the brain cells of the person under controlled conditions and i think in the history of clinical medicine it is one of the most effective interventions a lot of stigma is associated with it uh, because of ken cases movie on it uh, which goes by the name one flew over the cuckoo's nest yes uh, yes and there uh, a lot of uh, misinformation was spread uh, it is very much practiced however there needs to be a strong clinical indication for it i mean it is recommended if the if the person with schizophrenia has treatment resistant schizophrenia is not responding to other forms of treatment etc but there are other indications for uh, electroconvulsive therapy as i say severe suicidal depression or a condition called catatonia uh, and so on and so forth so it's not indicated for every person with schizophrenia however if the person uh is not responding to medications and has treatment resistant schizophrenia definitely ect is worth a try uh and there are other um, conditions say treatment resistant depression treatment resistant bipolar depression or a person with schizophrenia uh, uh who requires inpatient care uh, and needs to be stabilized so that he gains insight into the illness and becomes accepting of the medications so that is uh, that that can be one of the uh, indications also one of the reasons for stigma is that sometimes in some places it can be given indiscriminately without indications i see a lot of noise on twitter uh, which uh, where they say that uh, medications should not be given for psychiatric conditions electroconvulsive therapy should not be practiced uh, so you talked about uh, so to just to make the point more clearer if a person has cardiac arrest we will defibrillate that person with yes. 300 joules of electricity the maximum amount of electricity used in uh, electroconvulsive therapy is around 100 joules but in routine practice it is much lesser uh, we, we measure it in terms of uh, millicoulomb the charge is me- measured in terms of millicoulomb hmm. and Uh, so the 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 maximum millicoulomb that we practice is 540 millicoulombs but that is nowhere compared to what is given uh, for defibrillation yeah, yeah. which is around 300 joules when a person has cardiac arrest and again i would like to reiterate that this is done in the presence of an anesthetist modern medicine has progressed a lot and these are there are very controlled conditions which the patient's informed consent Uh, the procedure is carried out there are resuscitative measures in place we use anesthesia the patient is uh, not uh, under awareness pain is not felt we use skeletal muscle relaxants uh, so there are a host of uh, 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 precautionary measures that are taken right. and electroconvulsive therapy is very much in vogue where rightly indicated and at my facility i do practice it uh, very regularly for patients who do require it right so uh, mr bakshi 
Yes, your point, yes. your your uh, input on this is yeah, definitely. Yes. So uh, you see your uh, study. Uh, I mean, you have used the word was. So was uh, you delete it. It is very much uh, uh, practiced, and not only in India but uh, also in uh, Europe and USA. And it is a very effective uh, treatment. Now, when it is to be given, is entirely the discretion of the psychiatrist. And uh, I mean, there is nothing wrong with it. That is the, what I want to emphasize. But there are some psychiatrists who uh, never give ECT. They don't believe in it. And there are some psychiatrists in uh, Pune, where I live. Uh, there is a very senior psychiatrist. He was IPS uh, president also. His first uh, thing is uh, ECT. Any patient comes, first thing is does is give them uh, ECT. So, uh, Whatever their own assessment is, they go on uh, that basis. But uh, ECT is a good treatment. It is uh, helpful. It is uh, invasive. So in my personal view, it should be the last resort if uh, uh, these uh, antipsychotics are not working on some person, uh, the patient. So then uh, ECT can also be tried. And uh, as uh, Alok uh, mentioned, in catatonia, ECT is uh, very effective. Hmm. And those patients have to be given it uh, regularly. I was told by one of uh, psychiatrist friend, even he was in US for many, uh, sorry, UK for many years. He said that many people, they want to avoid uh, these antipsychotics because of the side effect. So every month uh, they uh, go to the psychiatrist and uh, get this uh, ECT done once in a month. So right. they are okay for the rest of the month. So, so I, I stand yes. corrected. I think the popular culture has stigmatized ECT much more than it really is. Then, Yeah, Shardul, I think we also need to do an entire episode on electroconvulsive therapy because <laughs> there's a lot of stigma associated with it, despite it being one of the most uh, effective interventions in the history of clinical medicine. Right. We'll uh, Rest assured, we'll pick it up in second season. Great, great. Mr. Bakshi, I wanted to ask. Yes. And this, I know for sure, at least in government facilities, the behavior of the orderlies, the people who attend to patients, is one of the biggest reasons people avoid those places. Because, and I think I read a report a few weeks ago that, that patient used to be beaten yes. up, beaten up when yes. when they created noise or, or when that orderly didn't like when the noise were being made or what noise was being made or they were saying something which she didn't like or they wanted they wanted they did something which the orderly didn't like so they were subjected to horrible treatment yes. beaten up and like degraded and so on and so forth like many bad practices yes it, and you have worked with on the panel which has decided the policy of 2017 like you said is there an active view from one uh, institutions and our establishment to rectify this because this is one of the most important things like people go to facilities so that their family members their loved ones can get care from people who know what they're doing rather than being much more abused yes so uh, mental health review board uh, they should uh, see all uh, these things and the act provides that uh, mental health review board should have their meetings uh, in uh, these mental health establishments uh, only. They are not given any separate uh, office and all. So every mental health establishment, which includes uh, government hospitals also, to keep a room um, for uh, meetings of the mental health review boards. 
So minimum standards have to be observed and it is for them to see that such inhuman treatments are not being given. So what happens is, I mean, uh, I know personally, there are a lot of, uh, there is a lot of uh, corruption and uh, misuse of funds in such government uh, establishments. So they admit patients by taking some money. Of course, some uh, those uh, street dwellers, they have to take with the, which police brings to them. And then their uh, rations also, they do not give what they are required to do. And uh, this uh, uh, menial staff, uh, the work which they should be doing, they make these uh, uh, patients to do that. So, yeah. and if they don't do that, they are not given their food. And then uh, no hygiene standards are being maintained. I have visited uh, many such hospitals and I invariably go to see their uh, kitchens. And I have found this uh, red droppings uh, in the kitchen. I don't know, how do you give such uh, food to them with so much uh, unhygienic uh, conditions. So they are very bad. And uh, I think if uh, the Mental Health Care Act 2017 is uh, properly followed, then these things will uh, disappear. Right. But from what you say, I it seems like there is still a big room of improvement there. Yes. Alok, uh, your, your input on uh, these caregiving facilities, especially the government ones. And I, like listeners may think, why am I bringing up government facilities again and again? Like, we should remember we are, no matter how, where you stand in life, if you're listening to this podcast, I would say in India, you are a privileged person because like a lot, 65 to 70% of population of India is quite poor and they don't have access to private or, you know, well-paid facilities they need and they, they only have government facilities to go to. So, which, right, right. right. You see, uh, if I may add, yes, you see yes. this uh, poor class or those street dwellers or uh, they are still taken care of uh, uh, by many NGOs. Like uh, we have NGOs who pick up these people from road and the poor people are admitted, they are given free treatment. The uh, section of the population who suffer most are the lower middle class people. You see, they cannot uh, send these people, their uh, family members to the government hospital because of the unhygienic conditions. And this uh, private uh, uh, establishments run by uh, so-called uh, NGOs, they are very, very expensive. Even for uh, this, uh, uh, your uh, dormitory accommodation, minimum charges are uh, 60,000, So, which they can't afford. So the need right. is on no profit, no loss basis, NGOs should run such establishments. We have started some uh, such establishment on a smaller scale. We will increase it. So uh, the actual cost comes to about 15,000, 16,000. But where are, uh, whereas in government, sorry, in uh, uh, commercial establishments, they have to pay huge amounts. Minimum is 35,000. And then there are personal expenses, cost of medicine, visit of uh, psychiatrist. And the second category, which needs to be taken care of, uh, Banyan is doing it in a very big way. We have also started in a small way that those who are discharged, now the act provides that uh, those who have recovered uh, must be uh, discharged. Hmm. And the court also has given such uh, directions. So what happens is they are discharging people. Now some people are sent to their homes. 
but there are some people who their families are refusing to accept them yeah. there are some whose fam who say they will never go back to their family because they were so ill treated when they were with them and third category people who do not remember where their homes are where their family is so these people what should be done now government has a responsibility to set up halfway homes community homes sheltered accommodation supported accommodation government has done nothing so yeah. these ngos have to step in and do those things so we are keeping 10 such patients who have nowhere to go and we will try to rehabilitate them so their need But, is to focus on them and the, those low from lower middle class families sir. yeah no mr bakshi you right that people in their individual or you know as an organizational capacity whatever they can they should do but as you also pointed out the primary responsibility is the government of the state like state is responsible for its citizens when no one is there and at least in my understanding although like i know yes. very less no it is it is a requirement <laughs> yeah and if if state steps in and you know manages it then anybody people like you people like you mentioned banian they yes. can then reach you know the higher stages of you know how the system should be evolved and they can help in reforming that system much better but if they have to you know do the basic task of taking care of patients finding patients then the, the system remains the same like status quo is being maintained government is ne- doing next to nothing and people who have some impetus to do some good end up doing what should have been the government's task initially but alok uh, Right. you also tell us that this orderly behavior is one of the biggest chief problems by patients and their families have you seen it changing and um, how can it yeah. be changed from your point of view because you de- you i assume you deal with orderlies regularly yes i mean uh, so i i mean as you mentioned at the start of the episode i trained at the national institute of mental health and neurosciences at bangalore Uh, there we had an open ward system and a lot of respect was given to people who came into the facility uh, here i would also like to mention that the wait times in the west are uh, they are ridiculous yeah. uh, so it, the, the wait times in india are so much better and you practically Uh, get into one of these facilities and you are attended to in, in a comprehensive manner uh, so i have not seen uh, other government facilities but uh, as far as nimhans is uh, concerned i have been a student of nimhans and the facilities there are top notch i can say that uh, with with a lot of conviction i would urge uh, i would urge people to go and visit the center uh, mr bakshi has been uh, Uh, on its board for five years, as you men- mentioned, the facilities there are top notch, and the kind of care that is given at facilities such as Nimhans is, uh, I mean, it's world class. Th- th- that much I can say for sure. You see, my daughter was uh, in uh, Nimhans for eleven uh, months. Right. Those small cottages which they have near the temple. So we have that experience also. Yes, Nimhans is uh, very good. Their standards are good. i have uh, visited uh, those uh, uh, this where uh, those people who are rescued they are uh, kept those which which are uh, custodial uh, places so they are also very neatly maintained i have uh, seen that place also where uh, there was a shooting uh, done and one prisoner patient 
he took a gun and uh, started uh, shooting hmm. so uh, niman standards are definitely good yeah, no doubt we need at least if nothing else uh, what government uh, state governments collectively and government of india can give us poor citizens is at least one nimans like hospital in every state if nothing else like our individual states are equal to size and in population are equal to european countries we need at least one good mental health hospital in every state and before you guys leave i w- i want to tell you and i want to tell our listeners also please read uh, mr bakshi's book it's titled mental illness and caregiving you'll find its link into the show note and one video if people who move into our professional circles of journalism and media there is a famous cnn anchor anderson cooper and there is a old video on youtube available on cnn's uh, channel where he is sort of subjected to those auditory hallucinations which pe- patients of schizophrenia go through and he has to listen to it and then you might get the idea that how difficult it is to deal with this problem and which other people don't seem to understand because they think like why can't you do this so these two things you'll find in show notes with other things thank you mr bakshi thank you alok thank you sir thank you shadow thank you mr bakshi it's been a pleasure meeting thank you as always you'll find the links to some avenues for help below the show notes and if you need help and are hesitant to reach out to someone you know you can contact the sources given there remember we are here for you thank you for listening and do write to us if you have any suggestions inputs about how we can better this podcast this podcast was supported by google news initiatives news equity fund news laundry is possible because of our paying subscribers we don't run corporate or government ads you too can be part of changing the news model go to newslaundry.com/subscription be a part of the community that pays to keep news independent for the smoothest news laundry experience download our app watch our shows listen to our podcasts read our reports stay informed pay for news protect democracy save the world